0: Hi, my name is Justin Schweitzer, I'm an optometrist at Vance Thompson Vision in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. really excited here to talk about the future of presbyopia with DROPS. And my practice is an ODMD practice, a collaborative care practice. And I always mention that you know, none of the patients that I see are really my patients. These are patients that are sent in typically from colleagues in the community that we work alongside to take care of them with anterior segment conditions, glaucoma conditions. And I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. Jade Coates today. And we're going to really provide a few different perspectives because your practice setting is a little bit different than mine so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself that's
1: right very honored to be here my name is jade coates and i do practice in northwest arkansas i am at an odmd facility specializing in cataract refractive surgery so Tons of patients, of course, who are affected by presbyopia. It happens to every single person who's blessed to have enough birthdays, so as we say. In addition to working in an ODMD facility, I am also married to another OD, and so he also runs a private practice, and so this is something that affects everyone, and um, I'm glad that we're talking about presbyopia
0: today. So you had mentioned earlier, you were talking about presbyopia, the quality of life issues that it can have on our patients. And I think of other disease processes, I think of glaucoma, macular degeneration, and those also in a way have some quality of life issues for our patients. When you compare presbyopia to those types of conditions, how much of an impact or how much more of an impact per se does presbyopia have than glaucoma or macular degeneration on our patients?
1: Well, it is really interesting because, you know, we may diagnose a patient with glaucoma or macular degeneration, but also whenever we diagnose someone with presbyopia, arguably they take it equally as bad. You know, it does impact their quality of life. It does impact them on a daily basis. Unlike glaucoma, which is, you know, a painless loss of vision, they can feel this, they can see it, and they can um, really experience that impact, unfortunately, on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, the other thing with presbyopia that I think about is everyone gets it. Okay. You know, not everyone gets glaucoma, not everyone gets macular degeneration, but essentially everyone is going to get presbyopia at right. some point in their life, and it impacts them differently. Okay. Some patients, it doesn't bother them as much as others, so it's that right. functional vision, but they all get it. And so I would actually argue that the quality of life issues we find with presbyopia may be even more so or worse than macular degeneration, or glaucoma. It doesn't mean we shouldn't care about those disease processes, Mm -hmm. but we should care just as much about presbyopia. And at times, I find myself not being as excited about managing presbyopia, Mm -hmm. because it's not like the excitement of glaucoma or anterior segment disease or macular degeneration. So I'm trying to break out of that shell a bit. And I think some of the technologies we have right now that are on the market, whether it be drops, whether it be IOL technologies, whether it be refractive technologies, does make it more exciting to treat. It is also
1: unique in the presbyopia category because I currently do not suffer from presbyopia. However, I will. And so whenever I educate my patients um, who are going through that problem at this time, I just educate them, this will, unfortunately, something that will happen to me too. And so education is really, really key in letting them know that this is normal, but there's also things that we can do about. Um, There's multiple different treatment modalities and new ones available, thank goodness.
0: And to your point, the treatment modalities and the options, I mean, we take an oath to make sure that we go through all the different options that are available to our patients, even when new technologies come out. So I think that is so important to remind ourselves that maybe we believe in one technology a little bit more than the other, but we do have an obligation to our patients to make sure that we talk about all the different options to manage their presbyopia.
1: Exactly, and that's what's so exciting right now is that there's more treatment options than ever. So whenever we do diagnose someone with presbyopia, not all hope is lost. You know, we can offer multiple different options and treatment modalities, which is again, really exciting that they have options. So Justin, what are some of the drawbacks to some of the conventional treatment options that we currently had prior to the pharmaceutical um, changes in the presbyopia department? Tell me a little bit more about just the different options with presbyopia patients. You know, we've had glasses, we've had contact lenses, but where does um, other treatment modalities fit into this?
0: Yeah, so when I think about conventional treatments for presbyopia, glasses obviously are in there. Spectacle lenses, contact lenses. I think you know we've had refractive surgery for a long time. Monovision, where we're offsetting eyes, we do that with contact lenses as well. Uh, you know, you have IOLs that can help. So I'll back up. So when I think about contact lenses, contact lenses are a great tool. You know, you have multifocal contact lenses. We know plenty of our colleagues do do a monovision offset. You know, a little bit of the downside is that some of these patients suffer from ocular surface disease dry eye with contact lenses, so that can be a hindrance for them to wear it. The other thing, when you offset the eyes, for example, in a presbilt that's maybe more advanced, Mm -hmm. we're binocular people. We like to use both eyes together, and so when you're hindering their vision at distance or you're hindering their vision at near slightly, it can Mm -hmm. fill things off a little bit. It can affect their nighttime visual quality. You just don't have the best of both worlds, and it's hard to provide when you do monovision. Multifocal contacts are attempting to, and there's a lot of good ones out Mm -hmm. there doing a pretty good job, but there's still some quality of vision issues with those as well. So I would say those are a few of the common complaints that you hear from patients and some of the issues with that. When you talk about spectacle lenses, it's more along the comfort line. Sure. It's maybe a little bit inconvenient. And so mm-hmm. patients sometimes don't want to wear glasses for a variety of different reasons. And as we get into talking about the pharmaceutical agents, they're more of an adjunct to these things. Right. Contact lenses, glasses are going nowhere.
1: Right.
0: But it can be a good adjunct piece to add to someone that maybe wants some independent from the glasses, some independence from those contact lenses.
1: Exactly. I totally agree that adding it in addition to the glasses and the contact lenses could be a game changer for some of our patients who just need a little extra help at NEAR. Um, So they may think very highly of us with a few other things we have up our sleeve. So Justin, whenever I think of all of these presbyopia modalities coming to the market, I want to know which one is best. And so there's a few things that we can kind of break down as to which one is going to be safe, which one's going to be comfortable, and which one's going to be effective. And so all of these things to me are very important in the, um, the makeup of the presbyopia treatment options. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, I mean, currently we only have one that's on the market, Mm -hmm. but we know there's a lot more coming down the Mm -hmm. pipeline. And there's some things I think about. I think each one of them is going to probably fit a different Mm -hmm. patient type because our patients want different things. Not every single patient wants the same thing. So I think of, for example, onset of action, how quick it works. Mm -hmm. Some of these will work quicker than others. Mm -hmm. You have a patient that gets home from work. They've maybe worn contact lenses all day. They've worn glasses all day. They're heading out for a meal with a family member, husband, wife, Mm whatever it may be, they may need a quick onset of action. They may need it to work very, very quickly to be able to achieve those goals. I also think of duration. You may have a patient that doesn't care about nighttime needing out of reading glasses or spectacle lenses at night when they get home from work, they're fine putting glasses on. But maybe they need that help during the day when they're at work. So we may need a product that can work for eight hours, 12 hours. So it's really gonna be dependent on the patient type for a lot of these situations. And that's
1: what's so exciting is, as these new presbyopia treatment options come to market, they are unique in, the, in these different categories. And so you're right, there, I think that there's going to be certain drops that are right for certain people. And that's exciting that we can kind of tailor
0: that to our patients. So let's talk a little bit about safety. Sure. Because I think that matters. Obviously we wanna understand the data around these products. We wanna believe in the data. It's hard for me to prescribe a medication if I number one, don't understand the data, I don't believe in it, but then the safety and adverse event piece is very important as well. So let's talk a little bit about how how do you educate or discuss safety issues and specifically, we're talking about presbyopic agents here to your patients.
1: Sure, so I think that educating them on the front end of anything that they may experience is very, very important. Um, Essentially how it works in my office is Something that I strive so hard to do is to treat ocular surface, you know? And um, for me, what matters most in my, in the category of safety is the preservative free option or something that's not going to harm the ocular surface. And so educating the patients so that there might be multiple different options, but maybe one that's more right for them or their ocular surface is really important from the get go.
0: Yeah, and I think looking at the product that's available right now, you know, we know from the clinical trial on that particular product, it's a presbyopia, pharmaceutical agent, about 15% of patients or so get some brow ache, some headache from that. So I think it's very important to address that on the front end so that patients understand that they're going to potentially get that because if they put a drop in and they get it right away, they're going to immediately stop it. And I think there's some evidence, and this is more personal experience, that the longer you're on it, Mm -hmm. the headaches seem to dissipate. So I think it's very important to educate on it, educate on how long they should use it as well. And then other adverse events with it. You know, I think that as a, as a class, when we think about the new pharmaceutical agent as well, there's some discussion around, can there be retinal issues with right, that? And right. for me, I think it's very important that we do comprehensive eye exams. Absolutely. The beauty of, you know, this pharmaceutical agent, the presbyopia class mm-hmm. of pharmaceutical agents is it's driving patients to our clinics. Right. It's and it's given us an opportunity to find a lot of disease that maybe wouldn't have been found before because these patients were never coming into our practices.
1: Exactly.
0: So we just need to continue to be clinicians. We need to continue to educate our patients on the front end to make sure that we're making the right decisions for them. But also, I think this is a practice builder for us as well.
1: Absolutely, because these people, they hear or they may see something on a TV and they come to find their eye doctor. Tell me more about this. And this may be people who have never seen an eye doctor before or otherwise would have purchased over-the-counter readers without any advice from an optometrist. And so I do think that this is a great business opportunity in that we're getting people in. If they're asking about it, we're recommending dilated eye exams and we might be finding things sooner than we would have previously. So it is a very great business tool and I'm, I'm excited to for the future of presbyopia in practice.
0: Let's talk about how you pick patients sure. for presbyopia, correcting drops, pharmaceutical right. agents for presbyopia mm-hmm. in your practice. So you don't have to give me an ideal patient type, but give me patient types that you think about.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, not everyone is the best candidate. Just like refractive surgery, just like, you know, a premium lens implant, just like multifocal contact lens, it's right for the right person. And so I do find that in my practice that there is a correct person or a better candidate. Um, And I do think that treating a 40 to 60 year old, young, 60 year young person um, is different. And so it is very case by case, um, dependent on the person, dependent on their retinal history, dependent on their ocular surface and a whole bunch of other things. Um, But it is dependent on the case for me.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a couple good points. The ocular surface, if it's someone that's suffering from ocular surface disease, I don't typically prescribe this immediately, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna treat the surface first, Mm -hmm. and then I would consider it after the fact. I think the retinal history is important as well. We need to do dilated exams, especially when we think about the newest product that is available. If it's a patient that has some type of retinal complication in the past, or current retinal complication that we find now, I'm not gonna prescribe it. Besides that though, I may give it a try with a lot of these different patients. Right. Right. What about a patient that's, let's say, 45 years old versus 60 years old? So we have patients that come into our practice that are 45-year-olds, early presbyotes. You maybe have that more advanced presbyote that's 60 to 65. Do you approach those two differently?
1: I do with the realistic expectation that a 60-year-old may need an additional reader, or they may, they, they may need better lighting. They may need a lubrication drop to kind of maximize the ocular surface so that they can read well. Um, but it is a little bit different in the 45 year young person who might still have a little bit of flexibility left with their accommodation. I also think it's unique because identifying someone hyper myope, we need to think about their pre-surgical or refractive numbers. And so that is their true value. And if they used to be a prior minus 10 and now they're imitropic, um, they might not be the best candidate for this particular presbyopia treatment at this time.
0: I think you bring up a really important point about a 45-year-old still having the ability to accommodate Mm -hmm. because I think about the options to help a presbyope. Mm -hmm. I mentioned a few of them before. We have the presbyopia pharmaceutical agent option. Mm -hmm. We have refractive procedures where we can maybe do some monovision. You have refractive lens exchange. You know, I'm not gonna recommend a refractive lens exchange in someone that's 45 years old because they still have some accommodative ability. And my worry is that that lens isn't going to be as good as what their natural lens is. Right. It's opposite though for a patient that's 60 or 65 because their accommodative ability is much, much less than that patient that's 45. And for me, when a patient's 60 or 65, I'm talking about lens replacement procedures right. with those. Doesn't mean I won't discuss or educate on the presbyopia drop option, right. but I really feel like a refractive lens exchange or cataract surgery with a with a advanced IOL can be very helpful for that patient population because their natural lens very likely is not going to be as good as what the artificial lens is, so they adapt so much easier exactly. to
1: it. And setting up that expectation to the 60-year-old that this you're on your way to maybe needing other things that this might not be able to accomplish, um, but in the meantime could give you what you're looking
0: for. Really fun discussion with you, Jade. I think we have so many different options to consider for our presbyopia patients. We focused heavily on presbyopic drops in this particular discussion, but we also talked a little bit about all the other options that are out there. We still have spectacle lenses, we still have contact lenses, and that technology is not going away. Right. We have refractive surgery, we have intraocular lenses, the technology continues there as well. And I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, is we just have to offer these to our patients. Right there's so many options and we should at least offer them we've taken an oath to discuss these options with our patients and I just think it's crucial to do that
1: that's right patients are gonna hear about this um, and so they might as well hear it from their eye doctor first and uh, before a commercial
0: it builds so much trust I mean your point at the end here, it just builds so much trust by having this discussion you don't want them to hear from someone else hear exactly. it from us, us. or exactly you.